Stand up, Nuggets Nation. It's now time for the Mile High Hoops Podcast with Zach By, Presented by Superbook Sports. On your home for the most Nuggets content. Denver's Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the pod. Reacting to Game 4 of the Western Conference First Round Playoff Series, Warriors-Nuggets, a 126-121, never-say-die, live-to-fight-another-day from the Nuggets who avoid being swept and the incredible narrative that would have come along with that as a team to Jokic to Michael Malone. It was all going to come like an avalanche, and at least for now— they stave off a lot of those uh, conversations. So many thoughts on this one, but I want to begin where sort of we left off, reacting to Game 3 and looking ahead to Game 4. You know, I, after Game 3, accepted the fate that the Nuggets are not going to win the series. Uh, I am not moved on that at all. I believe the Nuggets will not become the first team in league history uh, to win four straight after being down 0-3. Uh, up until now, teams in those positions um, are 0 and 143. But I said, or I asked the question, I didn't say it uh, declaratively. I asked the question that would it just be best, from a just devil's advocate standpoint, would it just be best to actually end this series in four games? If you've accepted the fact that you're not going to win, is there just value in ending this thing in the short term and have the guys that are healthy head into their off seasons healthy. And I think considering um, the uplifting nature of the game four W for Denver, uh, I think it's fair to say, no, I, I, the, the answer to, to that question I asked rhetorically and, and devil's advocate approach is like, no, the answer is no, it, it was better to win. Always. Um, And I think that from a cultural standpoint, what the Nuggets have had in spades is a great culture. And rooting for the demise just because you don't think you're going to be able to uh, achieve the end result um, is not the way to uh, approach it. And I think the the um, that was validated with seeing some of the things that we saw just from a basketball standpoint, like Sunday afternoon on ABC, like that was a big moment for Bones Highland. That was a big moment for Will Barton. There was some individual big moments for Jeff Green. Uh, That was a, uh, from an individual standpoint, that was a low-key big moment for Austin Rivers defensively. So I think the value in those things surpasses like, well, just because you're not going to win going to the offseason healthy. So I, I, I wasn't sure on the answer to that. And, and by the way, maybe if they lost game four, I'd be coming in here saying, hey, you know what? Maybe it was just best. And so maybe I'm letting the result of what happened dictate how I feel about it. But, guys, the vibes were pretty good. You would think that being down 0-3 with no example in NBA history of success, that the, the building itself or the fan base would be a little bit down. Just the opposite. That place was freaking on fire on Sunday afternoon. And I think that if you're especially a longtime Nuggets fan, um, you got to feel uh, uh, to a certain degree. I don't want to over patronize, 
Uh, but to a certain degree, you're sort of you're proud of how your fan base showed out. Because I'm watching it on television. It looks, it looks fantastic. It, it looks like um, you, get, you get FOMO, you know, not being there. Uh, and if it was any other year, I'd be down there. But I had, you know, a four-and-a-half-month-old daughter and a three-year-old son and all the stuff that comes up with, you know, a newborn and stuff like that. But um, I'm, I'm totally content watching it on TV. It looks phenomenal. And, and if you've been down there and you're listening to this podcast, kudos. Because the Nuggets aren't typically associated with, like, fan bases that are just rabid. All right, they're just not. Um, that's why the head coach himself going into game three says, well, I'm expecting the 40% to be Warriors fans. Well, it hasn't been that. And I think, um, again, not to be over-patronizing, some, some credit uh, deserves to be doled out there uh, to the fan base that made it more challenging uh, and maybe had an influence you know, with the officials. I thought it was the be- one of the better whistles that they've gotten in four games. Um, I'm not the kind of guy that is going to sit here and talk about the officials for 15 minutes. I know there's, there's other people who will fill that void. Um, but, uh, I thought it was a fair, uh, whistle for the, uh, the nuggets. I know a lot of people were upset about the boogie cousins tech. Um, it, you know, it, it wasn't like shocking to me or anything. I thought he slapped the ball and stepped into Draymond and with his horrible reputation that precedes him, um, that, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't shocking off for me. Now, what was a little bit surprising is Draymond didn't get the same tech, that it wasn't dueling technicals. That's because Draymond already had one. That would have kicked Draymond, out of the, uh, Draymond Green out of the game. So if you want to peel back those layers, then you know, I think that it's fair criticism. But look, um, the Nuggets got to the free throw line more. I thought it was a fair whistle. Um, handful of stuff to cover here. You know, We talk about um, the head of the snake being Nikola Jokic and the preface to all things um, uh, that translate to W's. All things typically start and end with Nikola. He's the base of the pyramid in which everything else is predicated on. All right? So if he doesn't play well, it doesn't matter if Monte makes five threes. If Jokic doesn't play well, you're not going to win. And by him going 14 to 21 from the field, perfect six for six from the free throw line, he's making his threes, and it's totally changed how Golden State is defending him. You're seeing him in the last two games literally get front court players off of their feet, whether it's literally physically leaving the ground on a shot fake or just heavy leans into a shot fake in which Jokic can rip through more efficiently now than ever before in his career. Um, it makes a big difference. So Jokic, first and foremost, um, is going to get the headline, 37 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, okay? Too many turnovers for, for Jokic. He had 7 of them. And very rarely do you see Jokic play a game where he has more turnovers than uh, assists. That was the case on Sunday afternoon in Game 4. But he played well enough. You're seeing someone who is just determined uh, and refusing to let his team lose. Uh, so it starts with him. But beyond that, like the way that you divide up the pie of credit, you know, I'll go, I'll go Monte uh, number two. His third quarter was as good of a, a single quarter as we've really seen a Nugget have this season. Five threes in the third stanza of the game. That's hard to do. I don't care if you're Clay or Steph. Five threes in a 12-minute stretch is tough. But Monte goes for 24 points, five assists, that monster third quarter. He got to the free throw line. He made every single free throw. Five for five. I just have to tip tip my cap to Monte. And down the stretch, when it was the most vital and critical, there was Monte Morris with a nine-foot floater uh, to to put the Nuggets ahead, but by a bucket. And it's just, you know, you could argue that's the best, you know, playoff game of Monte Morris's career. I'd have to go back and look at the game log of 40-plus playoff games. 
Um, but maybe the next time that uh, uh, Monte Morris is shown on the NBA on TNT, Charles and Shaq know his name uh, as opposed to last week uh, when it was the dust-up between Boogie and Barton and Monte was coming off the court after making a three and he was getting the the dap from, I think it was Boogie, uh, they were like, he, he's dapping the other guy. Neither of them know, knew uh, Monte Morris's name in the moment when they were showing the highlight. They called him the other guy. Hey, I've been there. Um, but uh, maybe next time they'll know because that, that was a bit of a coming out party for Monte on live uh, you know, network TV on a big playoff stage. Uh, just massive kudos to Monte Morris. Um, also, you can move to Bones Highland, whose second quarter and the bang, bang, bang nature of the three consecutive threes, all from 30 feet or more, first time in the last 25 postseasons that uh, someone has done that, was just remarkable. And it was as on fire as I have seen Ball Arena or Pepsi Center, whatever. It's as on fire uh, for a basketball game that I have seen. The crowd is just in love with Bones Highland and the charisma, the machismo, the willingness to embrace the moment and grow with the spotlight. To make them three in a row and as deep as they were was just fun with a capital F, man. It was just fun. Bones finishes with 15 points. He was a plus 13 when he was out on the floor. That was the highest tied with Bryn Forbes. Uh, but he had more of a heavy hand in that, I think, in twice the minutes than Forbes. But Bones Highland, plus 13, 15 points, seven assists for Bones. Seven in 20 minutes. Five for 10 from the field, three of six from three. Got to the free throw line. Um, his first step is real. The shot is real. The promise is, man. With good health, this guy is going to be a household name for NBA fans, uh, I think, by this time next year, if he's not already. Because that was his coming out party. And you know he's had games where he's played well on national television, and that's kind of been the narrative with him. Like I just mentioned, he's, he grows with the moment. Like, if they play the Lakers on TV, like, you're going to see the best of bones. Um, the first couple games of the series, hadn't quite seen that version of himself. So in terms of a playoff moment, it's just a massive you know, early benchmark uh, in a very, very young career, first-year player. It's about as good as you're going to get out of the gate for a first-year, late first-round pick out of ECU. So uh, credit to him, and he's getting his flowers uh, here today, So and he deserves them. Uh, Someone who very rarely gets his flowers and may have had, you know, a bouquet or two smashed on his head during his time in Denver is Will Barton, who was just a shell of himself for 95% of the game on Sunday afternoon. Michael Malone keeps him in the game, doesn't make a switch to put in Bones Highland. He's going to play the veteran, who again was having one of the more lackluster uh, games of his postseason career. Finishes with just six points, but up until eight seconds left in the game, he had just three points. But what a monster three-pointer, a clutch moment, in the left corner, it wasn't just Michael Malone trusting him to be out on the floor. It was Nikola Jokic trusting him to put the ball in his hands with eight seconds left in a one-possession game in a do-or-die moment, and Barton came through. Now, that doesn't absolve Barton for, you know, 47 minutes of bad basketball, okay? I'm not trying to, you know, die on the Will Barton Hill or only tell one side of the story. He was not good. That is definitive. But also, that moment is just that. 
It's a moment. You either seize it or you don't. And it was just for a guy who has not been healthy for the last couple playoff runs, for him to be able to come through for this team down the stretch of a playoff game. And if, and if look, if he doesn't make that shot, I mean, what you're, you're, it's a one-possession game and the Warriors have the ball with seven seconds left? I, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to go and drain a three and win the game and win the series, but to think that that couldn't have happened is probably a bit naive. So Will Barton, uh, a tip of the cap for Thrill. Um, Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon, who has been much maligned this series to be aggressive the way that he was in game four, gets to the free throw line. A, I think it was, a, was it a game high 13? Yeah, game, oh no, excuse me, Steph Curry uh, took 14 free throws. But 13 free throws for Aaron Gordon. Um, you know, it wasn't perfect, all right? But I thought there was some level of, like, vindication and validation for AG. Again, wasn't great, okay? It wasn't great. But his defense on Jordan Poole, while it's not in the headlines, is a big part of why this happened the way that it happened. Jordan Poole has been great in this first-round series. He has killed the Nuggets in in really two of the three games leading up to to, to game four. Uh, For him to finish with 11 points on three of 10 shooting, one for five from three, Aaron Gordon's a big part of that. Um, So he deserves uh, his credit. Excuse me. Uh, And then you move along to, and Gordon finished with 21 points. Half, Half of those coming from the free throw line, excuse me. Um, you talk about Austin Rivers, if we're getting credit for defense, Austin Rivers in that first half, it was as good as a defensive performance I've seen from Austin this season. Rivers had five steals at halftime. Now on paper, Steph goes for, what do you have, 33? And it kind of reminds me of with Steph um, being in the same uh, conference in high school as Jimmer Fredette. The way that we always approach, approach Jimmer is like Jimmer is going to get his points, all right, and chances are he's going to hit his average. But what we got to try to do is make it as disjointed as possible, and I think that um, that's what the Nuggets did. It was a lot of his damage was from two point range and around the rim and from the free throw line. He didn't really get off from three, all right. He made three, but he took eleven. That's below the prop that set out, you know, pregame, right? So. His, he got his points, he made some frees, he got to the free throw line, but it never came in a flow. And particularly in that first half, I thought Austin Rivers uh, did a masterful job of just containing him, you know, deter him, be a pest, give maximum effort, and that's what the Nuggets got uh, from Austin Rivers. So he deserves his own dedicated shout-out. And then, you know, another guy, you know, who deserves just a moment in the sun here is Boogie Cousins, who I have not been in love with. Uh, in terms of his disposition, his poise, um, you know, there's just a lot of stuff with DeMarcus Cousins. There's just a lot of extra stuff. And uh, that was a, there was a stretch in the third where he served as almost a, a, a life preserver to keep the Nuggets above water. He had a, a six-point run just to himself where it was a bucket, I think a pair of free throws, another bucket, and it was like, okay, this is best-case scenario uh, for DeMarcus Cousins. And he finishes with 10 points. He was a plus seven when he was out there. Made four of his six free throws in 10 minutes to go three of three from the floor and four of six from the line in 10 minutes and grabbing four rebounds and two assists. 
to just one turnover, that's pretty much best case scenario from Boogie Cousins. So uh, early there in the fourth, he was uh, he was instrumental. I still think that um, Michael Malone kept Nicola on the bench for a little bit too long for my liking, uh, but it 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 worked out. It did. It worked out um, in both in terms of the way he handled Jokic and the way that he handled Barton. Right uh, in terms of adjustments, a lot of fans wanted um, different, uh, but ultimately, at least for this time around. Uh, the buttons that Michael Malone pushed were the right ones. And ultimately, uh, it extends this series to a fifth game. Um, guys, let's be honest. They're they're not given much of a shot in game five. The largest uh, spread of the series is going to be game five. We're already seeing our friends at Superbook. I checked it this morning. Uh, haven't haven't checked back. But uh, it was nine and a half points here on Monday morning. At the time of recording, it's Monday afternoon. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's where we're at. It looks like it's at 9 right now. Uh, Golden State minus 400 on the money line. So they're as much of a dog, the Nuggets are, in Game 5 as they have been in any moment. Let's see. Now, I'll say this, man. I Considering the way that the Nuggets unraveled in Game 3, Okay, the last two minutes, and we talked about it in a dedicated discussion on the, on the previous episode of the Mile High Hoops podcast, it was just an unraveling. The last five possessions were just brutal, just brutal. Considering the way that that game ended, in addition to the way that game four was unfolding, where the Nuggets were up by as many as 17, they were really in control for most of the game. And then, then the backstretch of the second half, they're up double figures, and they give it all back. They give it all back, and there's just a couple minutes to go, and the Warriors take a lead. And it was the classic, vintage, truly, Warriors run, like the avalanche. And the sky is falling, and you're already down 0-3. If there was ever a time to give a signal to the wives and girlfriends in the crowd, like two winks, like hit confirm on that Delta flight to Cancun, like now's the time. Now's the time. This has been a complicated season. We're tapping out on this one. We don't want to go to San Francisco. It would have been with just a couple minutes left in that fourth quarter. And the fact that they showed resolve, and the fact that they showed grit to handle the run and keep fighting. At the beginning of the podcast, when I talk about the value and the things that you can take with you moving forward, the Nuggets will ultimately lose the series. But I do think there's value in that, in overcoming moments like that, feeling the rush of momentum and how it feels impossible in the moment to be flipped and still find a way to fight through that adversity and win the basketball game. Again, that's, um, it'll be just, it'll, it'll be a footnote in time, but I think the small lessons like that, uh, especially for the, for the young guys, you know, for Aaron Gordon and, and not that he's like a younger guy, but the, the criticism that he's been under and the way that he's responded for bones Highland, for Will Barton having that playoff moment, there's there's value in that. For Boogie, there's value in that, for sure. Okay, we'll leave it there for now. Game five is on Wednesday afternoon. Or afternoon, what the hell am I talking about? It's on Wednesday evening. Uh, it's in Golden State. It's on TNT. And I believe it's the only game that night. No, I'm wrong. Uh, the Well... Uh, well, we'll see. The Brooklyn Nets-Celtics game uh, will be before that on TNT, but that's if necessary, right? Because they're going to play Monday here. Okay, so, okay, 
I'm, as I'm organizing my thoughts here, by the time you listen to this, we'll probably already um, have an idea if Boston and Brooklyn are playing a game five because the Nets could get swept. Um, and we'll see what that looks like with the unraveling of that team. Holy crap. Talk about a disjointed group. My goodness. Um, so anyway, we got a couple days off here. All right. Enjoy the win. We'll handle game five when it comes on Wednesday evening. And you guys know, know no matter what, whatever happens on TNT Wednesday night, we're going to be talking about it the next day right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast.